The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are in the world right now tuning in. I really appreciate it. I just want to say thank you. I'm Diane Ray, and I'm so glad you can join me today. Uh, Wherever you are, if you're listening live, I'm glad you're tuning in. If you're listening later, with the on-demand download, that is awesome too. So today's show is going to be so much fun. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But I wanted to share a little fun fact about me first. I love to read. I am a self-confessed book hoarder. I'll read anything, the backs of cereal boxes, magazines, products on the shelves, I just love to read. I've been reading anything I can get my hands on for as long as I can remember. And one of my fondest memories is riding my bicycle to the local used bookstore when I was about 10 or 11. I would plant myself in a corner and I would just read until they closed up and they would ask me to leave. (laughs) So the true story. And another uh, interesting fun fact I'll share with you is that I've always loved to read the obituaries in my local newspaper. I've been doing that for years. And I love to read about other people's lives and what they've done, what their experience was. And I thought that was weird. And I used to get teased about it from other people. But after I read my guest book today, it made sense to me that I just loved their stories. And I still read the obituaries. So today we're going to dig into our own stories and why we should write about them with my guest. And my guest today is Dr. Diana Robb. She's an author, poet, blogger, and speaker who presents workshops in writing for healing and transformation. And her book, Writing for Bliss, is an exploration of writing from the heart and presents a seven-step plan for telling your story hopefully before your obituary, and transforming your life. And I want to welcome Diana to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Diane. You know, I'm really enjoying working my way through your book, Writing for Bliss. And as I'm, as I'm reading it, I feel like I already know you because we have a lot in common. We both love biographies and we love history. And I'm trying to kind of reignite my love of writing. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it. So maybe we can we can dig into that. You know, by the end of the show, um, my love will be rejuvenated. <laughs> I'm hoping. <laughs> now your love of writing came early for you and was triggered by an event in your childhood that you were trying to process. So you've really explored this writing for healing. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to be a writer and to love writing and how writing became a healing tool for you. Sure. I'd love to share. Uh, 
I was always also like yourself, a reader. My mother was an English major and always took me to the library and I always had those stack of books, you know, reaching from my hand all the way up to my chin as I wobbled out the door with all the books. Um, and so very often really big readers become writers um, because we love the written word. And when I was 10 years old, the transformative moment that really set the platform for my life as a writer is my grandmother had committed suicide in my childhood home. She was my caretaker and it wasn't traumatic in the sense um, that we might think. It was an overdose of sleeping pills. Nevertheless, I'm the one that knocked on her door and found her because she lived with us. Those days were the 1960s and therapy was not a big thing and my mother was dealing with her own shock and she had trouble handling being, you know, being able to help me deal with my loss because I love my grandmother. So she went to the nearest store and bought me a Cahill Gibran journal uh, with beautiful quotes on the top of each page. And she told me just to pour my feelings out onto those pages. And I did. I sat for hours on end in my room, in my closet, at my desk, writing and writing. And so from a very early age, I realized that writing helped me feel better, helped me heal from difficult moments. I transitioned into adolescence baby boomer in the 60s hippie era and had my own difficulties and drilled my way through that. Then I was on bed rest with three of my children, journaled my way through that. And then two cancer diagnoses and journaled through that. So for me, writing is really my go-to place, uh, my go-to place of peace and my journal is my companion. And now I try to share that passion with everyone else. Well, I really want to reignite this because, and it was interesting about you mentioning journals, and I've talked to a lot of other writers that are dedicated journalists. I mean, they've been journaling for years, and it's something that I've tried to do, and I pick it up, and I put it down, and I've never been able to keep up. And do you think it's not too late to start, right? I mean, I can always pick up a journal and and jot things down, but it seems like it's kind oh. of a chore for me. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I don't know why. I'd like it to. I'd like yeah. it to be more fun. It's not. You know what? It's just a habit. Like we get up in the morning and we brush our teeth. It's just getting into the routine and the swing of things. And maybe some of the prompts in in my book, Writing for Bliss, and there's lots of them, might resonate with you or the listeners, and something that they might want to write about. One of the things I start with um, is I start with the prompt of write what makes your heart your heart sing, write about what brings you joy. And people seem to like going to that bright place because often writers tend to go to the dark places. So you might start with that or revisiting a memory, a happy memory, the first time you learned how to use a bicycle or the first time you swam or the first kiss. So sometimes when you start from a happy place, you can you never know where it's going to go and how are you going to tap into your subconscious mind. Well, I really love the writing prompts that are all throughout the book. And actually today will be a first because in working through the book, I'm, I'm still reading through it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I have been trying some of the prompts and I'm actually, I'm going to share with you and with our listeners, something that I've written from one of your prompts. 
And I've never done that oh. before. I've never shared anything that I've written or, or anything like that. So I, I will do that, but a little bit later, <laughs> in the, a little bit oh, later well, in the show. I'm going to work up. I'm going to work up to this. But you've inspired me with the book, um, and it, and it's interesting the the feelings and emotions that have come through, and I really want to explore that more. So I'm really enjoying the book, and I urge other would-be writers like myself or people that are kind of dipping into it to pick up the book, Writing for Bliss, or even if you already are an established writer, or maybe you feel that you've hit a wall or you're suffering from some writer's block, definitely check out the book. But I wanted to ask you a couple of other things first before I throw myself out there <laughs> and share my sure. my writing, um, which uh, I think is going to be pretty funny. But you say that people who are naturally seekers make better writers. I guess people who are very curious. And I was hoping you could expand on that a little bit about being seekers, because I've always thought that about myself, like I've always been a seeker. Yeah, well, seekers are people that, yes, are always curious for sure, and they're always wanting to improve themselves. They're always looking to better the world around them. And, and so in the journaling practice, um, there's a funny noise I hear. Does everyone else hear that? It feels like a lot of static, but anyway, I'll continue. Um, no, I'm so, I'm not hearing it, but we can we can check and see. But go ahead, I hear you fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. And so, seekers are just people that yes are curious about themselves, curious perhaps about their subconscious mind, just wanting to improve themselves always throughout their life. And oftentimes, people especially if they've been through traumatic events, you know, they might turn to religion, but they also might also start seeking other ways of tapping into joy or bliss. And writing, of course, is one of those ways, as is reading. Well, I can definitely attest to that because I'm, I'm blissful wherever I am reading. If I'm on the beach, I have to have reading material. So that's definitely a form of, of bliss for me. But I'd like to get your definition of bliss. You have a great definition in the book that I think would be um, would be great to share with the listeners. You know, your definition sure. of bliss and, and how we can find it. Sure. Well, the way I view bliss is it's defined as a natural direction that we take in order to maximize our sense of joy and sense of fulfillment and actually also performance in the world. Uh, it's often more powerful of a word than happiness. Sometimes people equate happiness with being in a state of euphoria. Oh, sorry, people equate bliss with being in a state of euphoria. But in reality, bliss is really about learning what brings you joy, which is often connected to, you know, your calling. What are you here for? And I talk about this a lot in my workshops is what is your life purpose? And I think once we all figure out what our life purpose is and how we can contribute to our universe, we're headed more in the blissful direction. It's when we're on a path that's perhaps not that doesn't happen to the real person that we are that sometimes we find some unhappiness. I hear that a lot from people that, you know, call into the show um, over the years uh, working in radio. People are looking for their life purpose. And do you think there can be more than one? Don't, do you feel that your life purpose can shift? Oh, I definitely think it shifts depending on what's going on in our world, what's going on in our heart. And there's no reason that, you know, a lot of people are shifting their professions over the course of their lifetime. And there's 
that's absolutely beautiful. Why would you want to stay in a job or follow a work path that doesn't bring you joy? Of course, we have to put food on the table. There's a lot we have to balance. But if we had the ability to be in a position where we find joy, then why not? I have a really good example. I had a fantastic personal assistant for many years, and she used to come with me to my workshops and help as a facilitator. And she was inspired. She became very inspired to journal. And one day she came to my office and said, I have to talk to you. And I said, yes. And she said, I've decided to move on. I'm going back to culinary school. And I went, oh, I'm going to miss you. And she said, well, you know, you inspired me to journal. And as I was journaling, I realized that I want to tap into the passions of my childhood, which were cooking. And so I want to re-explore that passion, and so I'm going back to school. So while I was happy that I inspired her to journal, I was very sad to lose her. But that's a really good example of how journaling can tap into your subconscious mind or the child in you, within you. And that was really one of the intentions for this book, right? Writing for Bliss. I mean, it is also a, a way to help people you know, write their stories or memoir, but really the deeper, the deeper meaning would be to help you access your life purpose, right? For great, greater self-awareness. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, figure out what's your purpose here in life. Uh, I had to write a piece for a really great website called the Excellence Reporter. And the one question I had to answer was, what is your meaning of life? And no one's ever asked me that, but as I was writing, I realized that really my meaning of life was so tied into my life purpose and what brought me joy. So that would be a good writing prompt also for some people that are wanting to explore their self-discovery process. And and going through a lot of the prompts and going through the book, um, it's this is so it's such a healing a healing thing. It's a, it's such a healing modality to do writing. And I didn't really think of it in that way. Uh, but I, as I was reading it, it, it really made sense. And do you think that anybody, anybody can really do this? Of course, there's people that are going to be better writers, like, like musicians, right? But really anybody can benefit and heal from doing the prompts and, and just taking on some writing exercises and kind of delving into that, even if they don't consider themselves writers. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about it that some people lean more towards writing and more towards, uh, you know, talking. For example, my brother-in-law, he's not a big reader, but he said, I'm going to read and start reading your book. And he started reading it. He says, I love it. But you know, when I'm not feeling well and I need to heal, what I do is I, I like talking. You know, I like talking to a loved one. I, writing is not my thing. So it's not for everybody, but I think it's really... In many ways, it complements talking. I think it's easier to tap into your subconscious mind through writing. No, I agree. And and I, I was reading, and you say in the book, you know, many therapists use writing as well as talk therapy to help people work through issues. And, and just like the example that you shared, you know, some people can talk and express themselves a lot better, but other people can really express themselves better and maybe much more deeply, I guess, through writing. And have you seen that yeah. as well? Yes, definitely. I mean, the people that sign up for my workshops definitely have a tendency to prefer, you know, the written word uh, as opposed to talking uh, modality. 
So going through this process and just in, in your experience, um, what are some of the things that people can, um, you know, can experience when they start writing for healing? Like what are some of the things that you've seen come up with people? Like I said, they tap into the subconscious mind. You could start writing, for example, the student of consciousness writing is, you know, one of the prompts I start off my classes with, and that might be write about what you're feeling right now and, you know, write for 20 minutes without stopping. And they could start out by saying, well, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. I don't really know if I like this workshop uh, and my shirt's too tired or I have to go to the bathroom. And before they know it, they've settled into where they're at and they're enjoying their writing process. And they might end up at the end of their writing exercise writing about a childhood event that they hadn't thought about in years. One woman had a very severely um, damaging childhood, very severe abuse, and she's never talked to anybody about it ever before. And she was in her 70s and she said it just... It opened, the floodgate opened up when she started journaling and she was afraid at first, but then she realized that she really started feeling better. She needed to let it out and she never really had the opportunity to do that. So those kinds of things happen. There was something interesting that you shared in the book um, that I wanted to ask you about regarding, you know, writing like a painful memory like that. And you said that memory can you know, kind of be fluid in a way, like when you're when you're writing something like that, that maybe the the memory is different, and that you could fictionalize it in a way, would there be any danger in that? Like if you were fictionalizing it in your if you're writing in a therapeutic way, like trying to get it out, or I guess that would be two different things, right? Yeah, well, there's a few answers in your great question there and that is i mean if you're thinking of publication and you've got people out there that might be hurt by what you're writing you might want to consider fictionalizing it and i do have a few friends that have done that but if you're writing it just for your own safekeeping there's really no advantage in fictionalizing i mean it might remove you if you write it for example in the third person it might remove you from the situation but i'm not so sure that you can tap into the deepest feelings of your soul and there was also a caution that you shared about writing when you're writing really deep and and painful things or, or fearful things that can people sometimes get get caught in that or you know kind of sucked into that vortex of might might it make it worse I guess. Well, I, yeah, my advice would be when you know writing should make you feel better, and if you start feeling more pain and and more anguish, then it's really a good time to put the pen down and do something else and perhaps come back to it at another time. So yes, it's not that it's going to be damaging. It's just that, you know, you might not, it might be a place you've not visited for a long time. And so it's going to take some time to process it. You know, I was helping uh, Tom Steinbeck before he passed away work on his memoir about his life. And there were some parts of his life that were really painful and and I and he said, I don't know if I could do it. And I said, you can do it. But he said, I, said, I don't know. I'm going to have to go into massive therapy. And I said, well, just put it down and come back to it, you know, in a month, in a, two months, whatever feels right. Sometimes we just need a break. And that's okay, right? If you have to walk away or, you know, take some time as you're working through writing about something like that, like a major event, like a life-changing event like that. Of course, of course, it's all right. There's no right and wrong way to journal. It's just, just 
as long as you do it in one form or another. And I like that you called it dumping when you just kind of do stream of consciousness. And would that be a good exercise kind of in if you're sitting down to write and then just maybe kind of dump some thoughts out first and then solidify your idea after that? Sure, that's fine. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes when we're writing and I would suggest that people date their journals because it would be a really good exercise to compare what you're feeling today about a particular subject uh, compared to what you might feel like in six months or a year. And you might totally revise your thoughts on it. Um, so, yeah, that's for sure. I'm talking with Dr. Diana Robb about her book, Writing for Bliss. And in the book, you also advise people to create kind of a ritual or a sacred space to write. And and that's really important, isn't it, to get into the right mindset? That's How, very important. Very important I, to do that, into a sacred space. Oh, good. Sorry. I thought I lost you for a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. So how did you yeah, create your own, you know, area or, or ritual? What are some of the rituals you do? Um, what I do is I set a candle on my desk. I do a meditation. I, you know, do some, go for a walk and just um, get in a, you know, grounded sacred space, basically. <laughs> yeah. As grounded as you can get. And you share a lot of um, mindfulness you know, meditation te techniques and meditation practices in the book. And is this something that you've been practicing for a long time? Yeah, I've been meditating since the 70s, actually, when transcendental meditation was big. Uh, we did that in college. And, and I've tried all kinds of med meditations over the years. And uh, it just feels like it grounds me. It helps me towards my mindfulness. It helps me be present in the, in the moment and uh, helps me detach from difficult situations as well. Right. No, I agree completely. I mean, I've I've been trying to really strengthen my own meditation practice, so I was interested to hear what, what you do. And do you find that it increases the creativity and just helps things flow a little bit easier to have a regular meditation practice? Yes, definitely. Definitely helps. Also, some people like to have play special music, which is geared towards creativity uh, while they're working. That's another option as well. I've tried that, but I think that it's better to use music that is, you know, instrumental, you know, like meditation music, or I love classical music too, because I get distracted if I hear the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Is that, that's probably common? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty common. Although I have to say this, there's one um, musician, one poet actually poet slash musician that that i can write to and that's leonard cohen oh, i love um, leonard cohen i know he's amazing I, he just came out with a new book well his son came out with a book as he passed away a couple of years ago and it's called flame it came out yesterday as a matter of fact it's fantastic it's oh, i'll have to poems. look at that there's a that great quote you know the about the bell mm -hmm. the, the the crack or the cracks that the light comes in Yes. I'm, I'm trying, yeah. you know, I can't remember it now. <laughs> it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> but, but I agree with yeah. you. His words are, are so lyrical and, and beautiful. And that could really be inspiring too. And you also mentioned in the book, you know, for accessing inspiration, 
to really delve into an author or, you know, someone that you like their style, right? Like if I, if I loved, or if I was trying to write poetry and I love Mary Oliver, I should read a lot of Mary Oliver. And right. You, you find that helpful? Yes. You want to stick to the authors that inspire you. And also, uh, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. So you, know, you might want to try to imitate their writing and come up with your own version of it, of course, but uh, anything that gives you inspiration in your own work. So I found the Leonard Cohen quote. I will say it if you like. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That's, That's it. That's the story of Leonard Cohen's anthem. And it's very true, isn't it? I mean, I think a lot of artists have addressed the fact that without light, there's no darkness. Without darkness, there's no light. No, that's true. And would you say that, I mean, I think I've learned more from experiences that I hate than experiences that I've loved. Would you, would you say that's true for you? Yes, for sure. There are more lessons probably in those experiences where you've been challenged. Right. The, the more painful, although you can still learn from things that you love as well. But I think that when we explore the, the things that are painful and the light and the dark, and you go into that in the book, which I love because I'm really interested in exploring your shadow side and, you know, what, what corners of your psyche that you're kind of afraid to, to access. And some of these prompts mm -hmm. can help us dig into that too, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely getting into our dark sides. Did you ever read uh, Debbie Ford's book, um, Dark Side of the Light Chasers? No, but I know some people that have rec recommended it. Yeah, like it's it? it's really interesting. I mean, um, I'm always interested in, you know, the dark side of things. Maybe that's the dark side of, more of my psyche. Sadly enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I think we all we all have that dark side. But then writing about it, um, there was a prompt that I was starting to write. Um, and it was addressing a label that someone had come up about you. And there was recently, um, not that someone called me a bitch out outwardly, but it, I guess I was I was being perceived or acting in a bitchy way. And so when I was going through your book, and I was thinking about that label, on the one hand, I was upset that that, that that came up, but on the other hand, I explored that and I thought, well, there's been times over the years that I really wanted to be the bitch. And so I was, there was a part of me that was kind of thinking, oh, okay, they, they're thinking I'm a bitch, you know, like it was a good hmm. thing. Does that make sense? Hmm. No. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? You wrote about that. <laughs> As I'm exploring the label, we're going to take a short break about three minutes and come right back. And I will read my prompt for the first time ever. I'm throwing myself out on the coals. Thanks for joining me. Listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Get inspired with Temple Hayes and the Intentional Spirit, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Each week, Temple shares tools and practices to help you thrive in the most challenging times. Temple also welcomes fascinating guests who share their stories and struggles on the spiritual path. Follow Temple on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date with the show. Become an Intentional Spirit with Temple Hayes here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me for the show today. I've been talking with Dr. Diana Robb. She's an author, poet, blogger and speaker who has written an amazing book called Writing for Bliss. And this is an exploration of writing, digging deep into your heart. And the book lays out a seven-step plan for telling your story. 
for healing and transforming your life. And we've been having a, a great conversation about how there's a writer living within us all and maybe within myself. <laughs> I'm starting, I'll start to excavate the writer. But we've been talking about people that are really not writers, but I'd like to address a couple of questions for people that maybe are writers, you know, that are actually out there, you know, I think really for writers, like, uh, the, the marketplace is good. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of opportunity for writers. There's a lot of people that want blogs written. They need social media posts written. People need writers. So actually, um, things are good. I mean, do you, do you see that in your work? Like, do you think the time for the writer is now? I think so. I mean, I think a lot more people, of course, are spending time alone. Uh, loneliness is a big problem with writers and with, of course, with the, you know, all the technology that we're finding around us all day long. But there are definitely more venues for writing now that we have a lot of blogs, which, you know, in the early days, blogs were considered public journals. Now they're, you know, they, they range from public journals to you know, essays or commentaries. So yes, there's a lot more opportunity for writing. And you say in the book that writing takes a huge amount of courage, just the actual act, but submitting it. So we'll talk about that a little bit, you know, submitting your baby out there for publication really takes a lot of courage. And can you share some of, of your experience? I mean, you've written several books, essays, you've had a lot of stuff out there in the marketplace what would you say to people who are hoping to be published and that's their goal? Well, you have to, if you want to get published, you have to be able to accept rejection because there's a lot of rejection in the publishing world. Uh, but to also believe in your work and you have to keep sending it out and keep sending it out. You know, uh, War and Peace was rejected over 15 times and, you know, that's a classic a book that's been around for many years. So I think you number one is you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your work and just a lot of perseverance. So don't give up, basically. Your first couple Correct. of rejections, that's going to be normal, right? Exactly. Maybe more than a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't uh, save those letters, do you? Well, I know there are some people that do. They've, you know, wallpapered their bathrooms. They've done all kinds of things with those rejections. I did in the early days, but I no longer save them. Yeah, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't want to save that either, you know, reminders. Um, but what are some of the tips that you've used over the years to overcome fear and be courageous? I mean, I think fear, not even just writing, but just in everything, holds us back from so much. You know, we're afraid to, to try thing, anything new. Um, what are some of the things that you've used to overcome fear? Well, yeah, having courage is really important. And, you know, what happens is when people are fearful, they get what we call writer's block, where they just are afraid that someone's going to see their work and they're afraid it's not going to be good enough. So what I often suggest is, like we've talked about earlier, is find a writer that you love to read and read their work, become inspired, say, hey, they can do it, I can do it. Uh, talk with other writers, join writers groups, uh, have coffee with writer friends, go to bookstores, hang out, hang out in areas you know where you can pick up inspiration. A lot of it has to do with inspiration. Or you know, search the net for blogs about writing and how to move on to the next phase. The other thing I also suggest is when people are writing 
if they're saying little an essay or a book and they're putting it down until their next writing opportunity is to stop in the middle of a sentence so that you don't come back to a blank page. You just come back and you're you're ready. Your thought process has started, and so you can just pick up where you left off. There was another interesting tip that you had mentioned in the book of a of a writer that had um, written a bunch of great introductory lines so that they always had a sentence to start out with. I thought that was that was an interesting tip. Yeah, that's really that it is definitely an interesting way to go. Mm-hmm. So that you always have kind of a, a jumping off place or a prompt or something like that. And what about, you mentioned creativity inspiration. So one of the ways would be to read other authors and writers that inspire you. Uh, What, what are some other ways like listening to music or what ways do you get inspired? Well, I do get inspired by nature. I love going, I live near the beach. So I like going to beach walks and mountain climbing. I like being in nature is very inspiring. And I always carry a journal with me because I'm one of those people that I never know when the muse is going to strike. Um, being in nature, yes, listening to music can be inspiring, reading, talking to other people, getting ideas, going to the movies, anything that kind of sparks your creativity. And also, lately I've been doing some needlepoint. I've got three grandchildren now, almost four, and I do needlepoint, and it's really kind of meditative, and it kind of gets me thinking easier and I always meditate I sorry I always needlepoint with a journal now that's a great meditative act to do something like that um and for also for inspiration what I've noticed or here in San Diego there's these events where people get up and do spoken word it's called vamping have you have you ever heard of that um I have yes I've never done it though it it looks really fun. I mean, you know, people are, are reading their own written material, you know, in a spoken word setting. And it kind of made me think of, I guess, back in the beat 50s when I would read about, you know, people going to poetry readings and things like that, that maybe things are coming full circle. And now, you know, like these are all young millennials that were doing this. And I thought, wow, this mm-hmm. is cool. <laughs> they're, is you know, they're actually cool. <laughs> getting up and, and reading and writing you know, speaking in, in front of other people. So I, I thought that was inspiring. And I was thinking, oh, what story could I share? So maybe I'll yeah. have to try that and you get should. it, get over my For spoken sure. word fear in front of other people. <laughs> I have no fear of, of speaking like on a microphone in front of other people, but I guess looking them in the face is, is different. That'll, right. That'll right. be my fear, <laughs> over, <laughs> overcoming that. Well, I did promise that I would share uh, a prompt that I, I wrote, something that I wrote from your book, and you you inspired me. So should I go ahead and do it? I'd love to hear. I'm so happy <laughs> to hear that I'm inspired. <laughs> I'm, ner- I'm nervous to do this. This is so funny. But I said, You're okay, I'm going to do this. So I did this prompt from the book, and the prompt was observation and to see things with new eyes from the beginner's mind and kind of really notice your surroundings and where you are. And I've, and I've noticed that sometimes like my days will go by and I, and I'm, I feel disconnected. Like I don't, I'm not really paying attention to what's going on. So this is what resulted of me writing from an observation of something that happened during the day. Okay, here it goes. So I have to, I have to sing a little bit of it in the beginning. (laughs) I'm really afraid to do this. You are the dancing queen, young and sweet, only 17. 
Great. Now I'll have that in my head for hours. After circling the baked goods for a minute or two, I resisted the temptation, and now I'm waiting in line at Sprouts with my avocado, tortillas, and cilantro. Guess what we're having for dinner? Everybody seems in a good mood today. I had a nice conversation with the guy at my post office box. I look around the store and study the other people in line. An older black gentleman is in front of me, and two young guys are behind me. The guy in front has three bananas. Nobody can pay with Apple Pay or Google Pay from the register, the cashier yells down the aisle. We all look at each other like, what the hell did he say? Banana guy turns to me and says, I don't use any of that stuff, just cash. I even got rid of my credit cards. I don't trust that other virtual money either. What do they call that? Bitcoin, I answered. Right, Bitcoin, what the hell is that? I need to see it or I don't believe it exists. I nod in agreement because what the hell do I know about Bitcoin? I look at the magazines. Cook's Illustrated. Simple applesauce in this issue. I could probably handle that. Lion's Roar. Buddhist wisdom for our time. The two guys behind me are picking up the chorus. See that girl. Watch that scene. Dig it, the dancing queen. I laugh to myself. When the chorus starts again, I will jump in. I glance behind and they see me laughing. One is wearing bright yellow sneakers. They're in their 20s or 30s. They seem young to know the words to the song, but I suppose everyone has heard ABBA at one time or another. I get to the front to pay for my avocados and other things. So how has your day been? The cashier asked me. Did you see the half moon last night? It was so clear and beautiful. No, but I will check it out tonight, I reply. Thanks for asking. My day's been pretty good. See that girl, watch that scene, dig it, the dancing queen. I joined in for that chorus. I laugh with the two guys behind me and head out. That was my trip to Sprouts yesterday. <laughs> That's fantastic. Bravo, Diane. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> That's really, and I have to tell you, Yes, you made amazing observations, but I have to tell you that one of the hardest things to do as a writer is writing dialogue, and you just nailed it. Really? Thank you, you so much. It. Yeah, you did. I, mean, I had to, really... you know, my singing's not great, but... Yeah, well, the what... sign of a good writer also is that, you know, especially in fiction and setting scenes, is that we felt like we were there with you. I mean, I visualized all those people. You know, the banana guy, <laughs> everybody. I, mean, I, I, can well, I, I tried to remember, you know, the what was actually said. And so I actually, my recall was pretty good. Like that, that was actually our conversation. He was going on a dissertation about how he just had cash and he paid for cash for those bananas. And that, and he Me. did not trust Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I thought that was funny, but it was fun to do this. So it's inspired me to tackle some of the other prompts in the book and kind of work my way through them. So thank you for that. (laughs) Sure, sure. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for sharing. Yes, this was a first. I don't know, maybe a last, but no, it's, it's fun. And, you know, I'm seeing so many other things that I could try to write about. Um, I had received some pictures the last time I went home to Florida, some old pictures uh, from my grandparents' era. And my grandfather was in a band called the Felsing Brothers Gloom Chasers. And so I'm looking (laughs) at this picture and it's kind of like 1920s era. And 
black and white and they're sitting there with all their instruments. And I'm thinking, what, what could be a cool story with all these guys? What, what were their lives like? And then I just started, you know, daydreaming about what, what could happen to the Felsing Brothers gloom chasers. So maybe that will be a story as well. So then there's also a part in the book where you kind of delve into that, where you can take something real and then I, what's to stop me from making up my own story about the, the Felsing Brothers well, definitely, that's where a huge amount of creativity comes in. I mean, we all have stories, and whether you do it in fiction or nonfiction, of course, is your personal, you know, choice. Um, but you need to write where the energy is. Like the energy there at Sprouts was for you right there. You know, you just you felt so inspired at that particular moment. I don't think you went into the store saying, "I'm going to, you know, look for a moment that I'm going to write about." It's just you were inspired. Right. No, that, that just actually happened. And I just thought it was funny that, you know, here we are in the line and me and these two guys are singing uh, ABBA. <laughs> and then it kind of made everybody else laugh too. So it was, it was just kind of a funny moment, you know, like and those little moments that we have too. during the day. Um, yeah. So that, that was what came out when I was thinking of kind of observing, you know, where maybe before, if I wasn't going to write about it, I would have just forgotten about that. Yes. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't think I wouldn't think about that moment, but it was a nice little connection mm-hmm. that that Beautiful. I felt, you know, with those other people. Oh. And like you said, we spend so much time alone; we're so disconnected. And maybe now that I'm working from home, um, I'm craving that that connection. So y- you must feel that too, if if you're a writer. A lot of your time is spent in front of the computer and probably working from home as well. Yes. Yes. Yes, I, I forced myself to go out and have a coffee in a coffee shop and sit with my journal. I used to do that in the bookstores, but we don't have any major bookstores st- here anymore. So, uh, yes, definitely. It's a really good exercise. And it sounds like you're really good at, you know, dialogue. So you might be one of those people that goes and hangs around restaurants or bars or grocery stores and practices even more of your amazing dialogue. I'll have to try that and see, because I do, um, like, I, I listen for that, you know, what mm. what people are saying and, and for dialogue, even in TV shows, you know, uh, you know, who Aaron Sorkin is right from West Wing and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the writer and some people have really criticized him for dialogue. But I think mm. in his writing in the shows, it, it seems pretty, pretty realistic. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. And it really just comes down to the practicing all the words, you know, and making it sound real. You know, you, and you you can't really do dialogue unless you really paid attention to listening to people. Otherwise it sounds artificial. And another thing that you had mentioned in the book that was something that that I've been doing on and off for a while to uh, you know, kind of get inspiration is a dream journal. And I've been keeping a dream journal on and off for a few years, and I'm really interested in dream interpretation. And we we actually have a great dream interpretation show that comes on earlier on Wednesday, Ask Dr. Dream. And is that something that you've you've done that as well, right? Do you keep a dream journal now? Yes, I keep a dream journal at my bedside and I don't move it because the idea is to get up first thing in the morning and write right away. You know, once you move on with your day, you might forget your dream. Although I've had situations where I'm going about my day and I say, wait a minute, that feels familiar. And then I realize 
where I'm, wherever I am, it reminds me of a dream. And so then I would sit down and write. But the best thing is to keep one separate journal at your bedside just for dreams and not mix it up with your other journal, which you might carry with you throughout the day. Yeah, I like to do that. I would have the dream journal right there. And what I was trying to do that I think was a mistake was that I would try to remember the whole dream like it would be a narrative, like a, like it had a beginning, middle, and an end. And, you know, mm-hmm. most dreams are so disjointed or they're just scenes or weird stuff or whatever, um, you know, e- ephemeral things that we're processing from our brains uh, throughout the day. So what I've tried to do is just remember like a scene or one part of the dream. And that, and that seems to work. And I think also the more you do it, then you, your recall gets better. Then yes, have you experienced definitely. that? Yes. Yes. It's practice. You know, and some people, uh, I know I used to teach at a healing sanctuary. They were very big about dreams and they would suggest that people before they go to bed at night, write a question in that journal or a comment and then just go to sleep. And very often the question is answered in the journal. Oh, sorry, overnight. I'll have to try that. I've never tried asking a question, um, but I've I've talked to other people where um, actually a medium that was telling me if I wanted to contact you know uh, a deceased relative or my mother or something that I should ask that question and then I would have a dream about mm-hmm. that. So that that hasn't happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying. You know, I'll still try that. I don't know. Um, I think that would yeah, that would be no. great. Um, but I have had dreams of, you know, deceased relatives and, and things like that. So I do like to think that maybe they are visiting me in, in that dream state. So sure, it, it could be uh, possible, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not Looking sure. For those messages. So talking about, I wanted to ask you about, about storytelling since we're talking about dreams and how, you know, they're not really linear with a beginning, a middle, and an end. But with storytelling, like what involves a great story you say it, it is a little more structured. Like for a story, you need, you know, characters and you need conflict and resolution. So those are the three main things that you need for a good story. Yeah, you also need good dialogue, you know, which you don't have to practice, by the way. <laughs> oh, <thanks>. um. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll keep doing it though. It's fun. So yeah. you definitely, you definitely need to have an arc though, right? So like, say if I was going to do the story about the Felsing Brothers gloom chasing band, there would need to be some conflict, right? And then mm-hmm. it would have to be resolved. It would have to be resolved, right. And the characters at the beginning of the story typically would have to change by the time they you arrive or the reader arrives at the end of the story. There has to be something happening. Characters cannot be stagnant. So they have to be put in some kind of situation or yeah, or conflict or something. To, right. Something has to happen to them, with them, for them, that kind of thing. Well, you had mentioned Joseph Campbell in your book, too, and I love his theories of, you know, the hero's journey and things like that. I mean, is it really that simple, like the hero or, or the story, you know, there's the hero, then he has to have the conflict or something that happens, and then he goes on his quest and then there's whatever happens on the quest, and then it's resolved. Right. I mean, I love the way you simplify. You know, life is never that simple. But yes, for sure. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, stories are kind of like Joseph Campbell's hero journey. It's a, uh, 
It's a journey basically, for those listeners that don't know, it's a journey that we take from birth to death or from innocence to wisdom. And so it's about writing about that and feeling it and going through the path that, and what you learn along the way because we learn all kinds of things on our path. We learn about our authentic self. We learn about our direction. We learn about our passions. And the idea is that we continuously pose questions. We continue to be curious um, because the curiosity is what leads to a sense of awakening. And really writing is a you know, writing and journaling are the best places to pose those questions that we have. Is to get out that journal and, and just start writing. And also a way that we yeah. could work out, work out our stories and, and work out our characters. And and what are you working on now? Are you doing any, any fiction or, I mean, I know you, you really like to teach. Um, do you have anything in the works? I do have a book in the works. It's a nonfiction book, and I'm superstitious to talk about it until I get a contract. My, it's with my agent right now, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and while I'm waiting, I'm also working on a journal to go with Writing for Bliss. So it's going to be called Writing for Bliss Companion Journal. And it'll have prompts in it as well and pages for you to write. And it won't be only the same prompts as in the book. There'll be additional ones. And that will be out in January 2019. Oh, that's great. So you've got a lot going on. And you regularly teach workshops um, like what you laid out in the book. So do you travel around and do that? Or will you maybe be doing an online course or something like that? I will be teaching an online course at Daily Own, my uh, my actual proposal just got accepted. It's going to be a memoir course. Uh, I do travel around. I'm teaching this coming weekend at Hugo House, teaching the writer's notebook in, in Seattle. And I, lately I've been teaching at a few wineries here in Southern California, which has been fun. I teach uh, at some writer's conference. So I I go where I'm, where I'm asked to go. I try to limited to once a month because I do like to have my time to write. I do do a lot of blogging and guest blogging and poetry and newsletters. So I like to allow myself enough time for my own creativity. Right. You have to have that time to be able to, to stretch. So what do you think, I mean, is the nonfiction more difficult or is poetry just, that seems so hard to me. What, well, what do you yeah, think about really, those two different, um, you know, ways of expression? Well, they're both completely different genres. I did a lot of poetry when I was raising my three kids because if poetry does not allow, you know, it doesn't, you don't need a lot of time to write poetry. You can get a lot of satisfaction by writing a short poem, you know, five or 10 minutes. So I get that creativity, satisfaction. Uh, and sometimes if you don't have time, it's also a good way to sort of outline a, an essay or a book. It's a totally different, you know, a different genre. It depends what is of interest to you at the time or what pulls you. I'm, I'm a nonfiction writer. I've got a, a novel in the works, but it's been in the works for a long time, and I'm not sure if I'm ever going to pull it back out of the drawer. I just There's too many real things in life to write about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely no shortage of of actual dramas, you know, that we're experiencing right now. But I think that's interesting that you prefer nonfiction to fiction, but you do have the one fiction book that you're, that you're working on. So is that just kind of a a passion project? 
yes, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. But the but the one that's going to be published is the nonfiction book. Right. Right. Oh, okay. I see. So you've you've got a lot going on, and I'm interested in the the wine uh, tasting and writing. What happens at that? <laughs> and can I come? <laughs> a lot of crazy stories. <laughs> I bet you you get the good stories. Is it is it mostly women or is it a mix? It's a mix. Um, women tend to sign up for writing workshops more readily, but it is a mix. Um, it's kind of called sip, 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 create and write. And so it's, you know, we just you have a glass of wine, you get a notebook and, and I give writing prompts and then people share sometimes what, what they've written. And we talk about the writing world in general. So it's kind of, it's fun. It's very low key, very laid back, just learning and sipping at the same time. Yeah, right. Writing and sipping. I like that. Yeah. So if people wanted to find out about those events, is that on your website? Yes, my website is dianarab.com, and that's D-I-A-N-A-R-A-A-B.com, and there's a section of pull-down menu for events, and all my events are there. I also have been invited to a number of book groups. Um, I do that as well, and I teach a lot in spiritual stores like in Santa Barbara and Sacred Space down in L.A. at Mystic Journey and the Open Center in New York. So I go where I'm invited, and I believe there's a spiritual store in Portland. I'll be at New Renaissance uh, in 2019. Well, that sounds great. And and I'm like you. I go where I'm invited, (laughs) especially if it's a fun place. Diana, Rob, it's been so great to talk with you. We're just wrapping up. I'm loving the book, Writing for Bliss, and I appreciate you spending some time with me. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.